You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Your Best Life, Part 2. Enjoy. The reason we're going to continue today, we started Part 1 before Mary Fran came here. It's called Your Best Life. We don't want you to live an okay life. We don't want you to live a life that's better than what your parents had. Or a pretty good life. We want you to live your best life. Your best life. The very life that God designed for you before you were in your mother's womb. And that's what this series is about. And your best life is lived as your spirit leads. Your best life is lived in the spirit. And I've heard a statement. I've been in the body of Christ about 30 years. And I've heard a lot of ignorant things said. And some people say, well, that person is so spiritually minded, they're no earthly good. Which reveals a lot of things that we don't understand what it is to be spiritual. Oftentimes it's thought that spiritual means that you're kind of floating and strange and just kind of walk around and do strange things and, and, and aren't grounded and aren't solid. That's ignorance of what true spirit, spirituality is. Spirit, true spirituality is total joy. Amen. Unstoppable joy from heaven that destroys depression. That's true spirituality. That's right. True spirituality is love that cannot be shaken. Your best life is your life is a life walking in the spirit. Your best life is the life that blossoms. That burgeons and flowers and, and grows from the knowledge of his love for you your best life your best life your maximum your off the chart the, the top shelf life the best life you can live is the life that grows out of knowledge of his love for you and you know it's funny we say well God loves you and we say yeah I know there's a difference between hearing something before and walking in the power of it Let me help you. And that's why the Lord put me in your life, to help you. Do you know that? Yes. To help you walk in the reality of what he's done for you. Spiritually, this, this book right here is just a book. It's a Bible, right? But it's paper and ink, right? We can throw this in an uh, incinerator and it'll burn. It's a written representation of the Word of God. It is, it is infallible. It's the Word of God. We understand when, when Hebrews 4.12 was written, this book wasn't assembled yet. For the Word of God is quick and powerful. Alive. The Word of God is alive. Why am I saying that? You can understand uh, your, your, your spiritual maturity by how well you receive the Word. That's good. That's good. That's good. I didn't plan on any of this, but let's go here. All right? We want to be led by the Spirit. So in other words, John 3.16, Hebrews 4.12. You can pick any of hundreds of scriptures that I've heard hundreds of times. I can't get enough of them. Now over the years, and I'm not, I'm not singling anybody out. you got to know that. And you know, it's just ministering over the last 20 years. There are times when the Holy Spirit, every time we gather, I believe He has specific things for each of us that He will minister in your own way. And sometimes you can get offended by that. Like, how do He know that? I don't know anything. 
I'm, I'm endeavoring to listen to the Holy Spirit and say what he tells me to say. So don't get self-conscious. Get Jesus conscious. Okay? But I want to tell you, over the years, I, I've heard, uh, been in amazing Bible studies. Heard amazing messages. And afterwards, I hear someone say, well, I, I already know that. Or I've been in a situation where God wants to heal somebody. Totally wants to minister wholeness to them right there. And if they just receive it, and I'll share a scripture with them, they say, well, I know that. <laughs> what they're really saying is, I've heard that before. Right, right. They don't know it. The moment someone hears a scripture and says, I know that, it means they don't. I'm just telling you. Just going to be real with you. The moment someone is bored with the scripture, it means they're not walking in the spirit. They're not, they're not walking in the reality of what belongs to them. You will never be bored with the scriptures when you're walking in the Spirit. Because it's quick, it's alive, it's powerful, it raises the dead, it makes the lame walk, it makes the main whole. Now you'll get bored with legalism. You'll get bored with tradition. You'll get bored with rules and regulations, but you'll never get bored with the Word of God because the Word of God is not a book. He's a person. His name is Jesus. And there's nothing boring about him. So I want you to grow spiritually. So you, I, have to, I have to check this in my own life. There's times, you know, thank God in 2015, at our one year anniversary, we started one a day. What's one a day? It's our Bible reading plan. We, 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 weed. We, we, one way, we can. We, weed. Have you ever read a book? We, read a book. We read one chapter out of the New Testament. Starting today, uh, Monday, five days a week, Monday through Friday. We're going to start again tomorrow. We read one, we read one chapter. <laughs> My R's just fell off somewhere. <laughs> a day, starting Monday through Friday. So five chapters a week. So tomorrow we're going to start with Matthew 1. And by the, this time next year, in one year, you've gone through the whole New Testament. We've gone through it now five times as a church. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Yeah, five times. And there are times that I'm reading and my flesh is like, we're done reading. I was like, what did I just read? Because I started daydreaming, you know? Or the flesh will try and, you know, just, just go off on a tangent. Or, and, and I said, like, wait, wait a minute, I'm reading the Word. This is alive. I don't understand everything I read. I don't. I don't understand all the Bible. You don't need to. Just know that it's His Word. And as you read it, the Holy Spirit will unfold it to you. And who impart it to you, you'll grow stronger as you read. Hallelujah. See, in here is a revelation of how much he loves you. We're going to look at that today. Because your best life is all about that, how much he loves you. But, but even though he loves you, you've got to actually know the reality of that. So when fear tries to lay on you, you can knock its block off. You can laugh in the face of every circumstance because you're, you are rock solid in the knowledge of his love for you. Hallelujah. See, this, this takes time to grow in the knowledge. You can hear God loves you a thousand times a day and that would be wonderful. You can't hear it too much. Holy Spirit, illuminate the revelation of your love to us this morning. Yes. See, when you begin to grow in this knowledge, 
a supernatural from the spirit realm joy will begin to penetrate your life. And I am telling you, it will destroy depression, clinical or otherwise. See, the answer that people are looking for is found in the knowledge of his love for us, in the knowledge of what he's done for us. It's not in this world. Thank God for professional people who are trying to help and, and, and can help stabilize people and, and, and maybe, you know, keep them steady for a while. But I'm telling you, man doesn't have the solution for the issues you're facing. Whatever help they can give you, that's wonderful. And I'm not putting anyone down. But the reality is, it's his love. He is love. It's a personal daily experience with the person of love that heals us. And you can't experience this all in a day or a week or a month or a year. That's why marriage takes a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I need a lifetime with my wife. Because love is that strong. It's endless. John chapter 3. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the love of God will produce a joy in you that repels darkness. I mean, it absolutely, darkness will bounce off of you. It will bounce off of you. Nehemiah 8.10, for the, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I could hear that a thousand times a day. I want to hear another thousand times. See, the Word of God, there's nothing boring about who you are and what He's done for you. You have to make your body and make your soul listen to the Word of God. Get the podcasts of these messages. It's free. Come on. And listen to what God has done for you. Faith comes by regular listening. You're not going to have consistent, strong, overcoming faith by coming to church. You've got to hear what we're talking about regularly in your life. I mean, I went to the Southwest Believers Conference, Kenneth Copeland's conference, two summers ago. I'm still listening to it. Listen to a message this week. I think it was from 2018. Was it a year ago, two years ago? We put out recordings of this message so you can eat and grow strong. Man, I'm telling you, the Lord is, he's in, he's in drill sergeant mode right now. With, he wants you to be strong. He wants you to get up. He wants you to do the things you need to do. He wants you to hear his word because faith comes when you hear it. And when you keep hearing it. Now, don't, don't be mad at me. I'm originally from the Pittsburgh area, but I'm a Pats fan now. I didn't know they had a Super Bowl when the Patriots weren't playing. I thought it was just canceled if they weren't in it. But I guess there is one today. I don't know who's in it. Some team from California or something. Weird. In Kansas City, I guess. But listen, one of the things that is notable about this region of our nation, and I've been in about 15 or 16 different nations, is the ignorance and training in the Word of God. The ignorance of people to who they are in Christ is very noticeable here. And it's interesting being a pastor in this region. You want people to, I mean, you don't know what you've been missing. 
You need to get in the reality of this word. You need to hear it. You need to speak it. You need to believe it. You need to meditate on it like it's your food because it is. It's the food that will make you unstoppable. It's the food that will make you strong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's see. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3. I told you, John, we're going to go to 1 John. This is the apostle of love as he's known. He's the one that laid his head on Jesus' chest, who was the closest person on earth to Jesus. When he wrote his gospel, the fourth book of the New Testament, the first book I ever read in the Bible, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And you'll see that statement repeatedly. Why did he keep saying that? He was encouraging himself in the reality of God's love for him. You need to do the same. I, I'm, the, I'm the one God loves. I, I'm the one, hi, nice to meet you. I'm the one that God loves. I'm the one that God is crazy about, that God thinks about all the time. I'm the one that God cherishes, that God writes songs about. He writes songs about me. He gets happy when he thinks of me. He's thinking of me all the time. And every thought he thinks about me is good. 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. I like that word lavished. It means generously, bountifully, with open hands, open arms, unstintingly, unsparingly, ungrudgingly, freely, extravagantly, over the top, not frugal. God is not a penny pincher. It means superabundant, profuse, and prolific. How pro prolific is the love the Father's lavished on us? It inspires us to create and move forward. How prolific and profuse is His love? Put the Weiss translation up there. It says, Behold, what exotic love. Means it's love that's out of this world. Love that is not normal to this world. That's not from this world. It's exotic. It's out of this world. It's from heaven. The Father has permanently bestowed upon us to the end that we may be named children of God. And we are. On this account, the world does not have an experiential knowledge of us. Key word experiential. You can have knowledge, but not experience the knowledge you have. Therefore, that knowledge is no good to you. Right? Yeah. What good is knowledge if I'm not working it? Right. If I'm not able to apply it in situations where I need it? That's the kind of knowledge we want to grow in. Yeah. The working knowledge of God. That's that in my daily situation and circumstances, I am able to effectively apply His Word to every circumstance and win. That takes time. It takes practice. It takes hearing the Word of God a lot. It takes saying the Word of God a lot. 
And there's just a, something in me today for you. I, I just drill sergeants the best way I know to, know to say it. Just to get up and to be strong. To say his word over and over again. Say it a lot. When your feet hit the floor in the morning and you get out of bed, you say, I'm a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. The new has come. I'm strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You're on your way to the bathroom. You grab your toothbrush. And have you ever tried to talk with your toothbrush in? You may have noticed, this, but sometimes Jennifer and I make a mistake and I use her toothbrush. Pretty gross. So I, you know, we'd label them. You know, I'd write my initials on there and put her... And then I'd put our birthday on there. So. Yeah. Yeah, JB, JB doesn't work. So I put 413 and 916 on there, but it still happens. And then we try to have conversations. We're both brushing our teeth and we're talking to each other. We, neither one of us understands... What's being said? <laughs> but you, you love one another, you know? So you should try it. It's pretty edifying. Actually, we do understand each other. That's what's really weird about it. Yeah. We got toothpaste dripping out of our mouth. Toothpaste is... Toothbrush doesn't... But you grab your toothbrush and what do you do? You look at yourself in the mirror and say, You're strong. You're healthy. You're full of joy. You're blessed. So you're brushing your teeth and you're looking in the mirror at God's son or God's daughter. And you're telling yourself who you are regularly. You've got to do it. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't darkness speak to you? What's darkness trying to convince you of? Who you're not. Well, you tell yourself who you are. You tell yourself, look in the mirror and tell yourself how strong you are. Tell yourself how healthy you are. Tell yourself you're full of the Holy Spirit. If you don't say it with your mouth, you will never consistently experience it. Because death and life are in the power of your tongue. Proverbs 18.21 Experiential knowledge of us because the world has not come into an experiential knowledge of Him. Boy, religion hates this experiential knowledge. Because you can't box it. You can't put it down. You can't keep it quiet. You can't stop it. When someone experiences Christ, it changes everything. You can't bind them anymore. God wants you to have experiential knowledge of Him. We are the divinely loved ones, now born ones of God. We are. I don't care how delicious a meal is or who's prepared it for me and how accomplished the chef is if I don't eat it I'm not going to enjoy it it's speaking it's saying the word of God believing the word of God and hearing the word of God that makes it real experientially real to us Amen. this is our best life where we're experiencing God. That's what you are made for. Not a statue, not a stained glass window, but the living, breathing person of God Himself. First John chapter 4. Let's go to the next chapter. This is written by a man who experienced God in very real ways. From what we understand as we study history, 
this man was persecuted for his faith and they tried to ex John, the Apostle John, they tried to execute him in multiple ways and none of it worked because he was strong in love. How much God loved him. The best they could do after they tried to execute him in different ways and none of it worked, they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos, which Christ appeared to him and he wrote the book of Revelation. You couldn't stop this man. So chapter 4, verse 15, and that's us. Isn't that us? This is who we are. We're the unstoppable ones because we know how much he loves us. And it's not a head knowledge. It's not statistics and data. It's a revelation in our heart by the Spirit of God. Amen. Whoever, did I say verse 15? There we go. Whoever confesses, that means speaks. This has nothing to do with going to a booth and talking to a minister. We've got to de-religify these words if you want to experience God. You've got, you got to turn from man's tradition and you've got to look straight at Jesus. Whoever speaks, whoever says with their own mouth that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him. Is it that simple? Yes. Is that simple? How hard religion is made. The devil doesn't like simple because there's no stress with simple. So he wants complicated so you'll be stressed. Jesus will help you simplify your thought life, and every other area of your life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for simplifying our lives. God lives in him, and he in God. It's that simple. And we have known, experientially known, and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. It's not a philosophy. You can come up here if you want. I got a stool you can sit on. <laughs> sure, come on up. She's thinking about it. All right, maybe later. Actually, I have some mints over here if you want a mint. Is that Zahara over there? Look at these two little buddies. Z and Z. It's not a concept. It's not a philosophy. It's the person of God. Love is who he is. He can't be anything else. He has no bad days. Glory to God. This is who he is. It's how he behaves towards you all the time. He'll never hurt you. He'll never manipulate you. He'll never betray you. He'll never lie to you. He'll never uh, uh, pull a, a, a dirty trick on you. Hallelujah. God is love. Yes. And he who abides or lives in love lives in God and God in him. Verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as Jesus is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is. So when you get up or you're brushing your teeth tonight, say that to yourself in the mirror. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. 
Well, you're not qualified. You haven't prayed enough. You don't know enough Bible. No, that's not what it says. He who says it and believes it is it. I love that I don't have to be a know-it-all. I'm so glad about that. I'm glad that someone like me can be like him. Just by believing. That's miraculous. Take my word for it. Hallelujah. Now, are you ready at verse 18? Boy, oh boy, this is for us. There is zero, none, no fear in love. Never, ever, at any time, for even a brief millisecond, there is no fear in love. This is on the inside of my wedding ring, just the book, chapter, and verse. But perfect love casts out, throws it away, gets rid of fear. Because fear involves torment. Yes, yes. It is horrible. It will torment you and, and bring about things in your life that will hurt you. It will put you into bondage. It is a thief and a robber and it has no right in your life. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love or mature. Don't get hung up on the word perfect. That's how King James, it means mature or strong in love. That's an easier word. We can understand that, right? Has not been made strong in love. So if fear is having its way with me, I know I have, I'm not strong in love. So what do I begin doing? Meditating on how much God loves me. That God is love, and as He is in this world, so am I. Right? That His love has been shed abroad in my heart. What chapter is that? Is that Romans? What? Four or five? Somewhere in there? The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. I say that about myself. The love of God has been shed abroad in me. I love like Jesus loves. I love like Jesus loves. His love rules and reigns in me. Right? Now look at the amplified translation of verse 18. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. People don't realize in today's culture how much fear is leading them. They don't realize it. They're used to it. It's normal to be afraid. It is. They've just allowed fear to condition their thinking and they think you are strange when you're so happy. There will always be temptations and opportunities to be afraid living in this world. This is Satan's the God of this world. But when you know experientially that you're in love, in him, I mean in Christ, the person of love, 
fear will have zero power over you. But perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear. You should absolutely hate fear. You should absolutely refuse to fear under any circumstance, at any time, for any reason. It is your enemy. It's not your friend. It's trying to take you down. Complete, full-grown, yes, Jesus' love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. That's right. <laughs> That's why condemnation is so deadly. It makes you think that God is against you, and that's the opposite of the truth. He's completely for you. That's what's so, so wrong about this idea that I have to atone for my sin. If you do enough good deeds, and if you say enough prayers, that's, that's fear-based. You can't do enough to atone for your sin. If you could, Jesus wouldn't need to come. Hallelujah. Love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not strong, right? That word perfected. Is not mature, is not full grown in love. Has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. There are people who have been in church 10, 20, 30 40 years or more and are not grown in the sufficient knowledge of his love. Not here. I'm going to prod you and prick you and shout at you until you experience him. I'm going to. You know, if you, if you ever go through basic training in the military, they're not nice to you. Come on. Why? They're preparing you for war. Yes. They're preparing you for a world that wants to take you out. And I can't just sit there and have tea with you when your enemy wants to take you out. I've got to make you strong. I've got to tell you the, the truth about the world we're living in and that God loves you and He's the strength of your life. And you've got to stand up and be His very own child and not listen to fear anymore so that you can win when no one else is around. There's a time to be nicey-nicey and there's a time to be tough. We're always immovable. We're always immovable. Our best life is an immovable, unstoppable life. Our best life is a life that's blossoming and increasing and growing because we have experiential daily knowledge of His love for us. Now are you ready? Here's the scripture I wanted to get to. Luke chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 11. Now it's interesting, the more you grow in the knowledge of God's love for you, and you look at some of the things Bible translators have done, you think, boy, they just didn't get it. Some of them were just literally trying to figure out. God is so good in the original manuscripts, sometimes it just couldn't handle it. 
So they had to try and stick some of their religion in there. Do you know, interesting to know, Bible translators, as they translated the original manuscripts over the years, they would write little notes in their side margins. Then sometimes the next translators would come along and put the notes of that previous person in the scriptures. You have to really know the Lord when you're reading the Bible. Now, thank God, we, the original manuscripts, there's like 20-some thousand of them, verify the authenticity yeah. of the Scriptures. So you can know the original by faith through the Holy Spirit. But you really have to pay attention when you're reading. For example, there's a passage here where Jesus is teaching us about the radical, life-changing, healing, resurrecting power and love of God the Father. And the Bible translators, maybe in your Bible, put... The prodigal son. The parable of the prodigal son. There's much to be learned from that label. They read this amazing account of God's love for us, and what they focused on was the behavior of the one who was in sin. That's what religious tradition does. It focuses on the behavior of man and totally misses the love of God. That's why the best that man can do is try and modify your behavior, but they can't heal you. Jesus, God the Father, love is not about behavior modification. Love is about total transformation and wholeness that can only come about by believing what he said. So here's Jesus communicating, imparting to us this love of God that will absolutely make you whole. It's not about the Son, it's about the love of the Father. Verse 11, and he said, a certain man had two sons. This is Jesus talking. We're just going to keep reading. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. In other words, give me my inheritance. You, when would you receive, when would a son receive his father's inheritance? When the father dies. In any culture, but especially in this culture, at the time Jesus is writing, you couldn't be more respectful to your father than this. Disrespectful, excuse me. You couldn't be more disrespectful to your father than this young man was being. He's saying, basically, Dad, I wish you were dead because I want your money. I want you to get the picture here. He's insulting and disrespecting his father to his face. Okay, you got the picture here. It's good to be real when we're reading the Bible. Don't read too fast. You know, sometimes when I read the Bible, I'm just reading it to read it, and that's good. Like we do the one a day. We sit at the table, and we read through it, the chapter. And we don't stop a whole lot and talk about it. We just want to read it. But there's, there's time to digest it where you might just read one verse, okay? The one a day is not necessarily a time for that, but you need both in your life. So he said, give me what's mine. Now look what the father did. So the other son was there with his stinky brother, right? With his brother has this totally disrespectful attitude that's just totally dissed his dad. And look what the dad does. He divided unto both sons their inheritance. That's a kind man, isn't it? That's a very kind, generous father. He didn't smack him. He gave it to him. God gives generously without finding fault. Mm -hmm. 
And not many days after the young son gathered all together. See so in the picture? Dad gives him an inheritance. He starts packing. Whew. How wooed. What movie is that from? How wooed. What is it? Ice Age. Ice Age? I don't know. How wooed. Yeah. So he starts packing, and he took a journey into a far country, and there wasted all that his father worked for his whole life. Well, not actually, that's not true, because his father still had an abundance. <laughs> so, in other words, the inheritance he was given, he wasted, but what the father provided for him took, it was really like taking his father, you know, taking all that his father worked for, all that his father did, and then just wasting it with riotous, ungodly, sinful, perverted living. Wow, this just gets worse and worse. And when he had spent all on sin, on evil, dark, immoral things, there arose a mighty famine in the land. See, that's what Satan does. He tempts you to go in a certain direction because he knows once you go so far, he's going to nail you from behind. You got to be aware that sin is a bait. Just like you're trying to trap a, a, a tiger in a cage and you put a big fat piece of meat in there. Satan tries to tempt us to get us in a cage so as soon as we bite, he can close the door and you're in bondage. But we're not that stupid, right? We're strong in love. So when he'd spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. In other words, he has nothing now. He's lacking. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. He doesn't even know the guy. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. So the guy says, well, go feed my pigs for me. Oh, happy day. Right? What a, I don't think that's what he was hoping for to put on his resume. Right? And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the pigs were eating. So he's there. He doesn't have anything. This is the best he can get. And he's watching these smelly, fat pigs eat slop. And he's craving what they're eating. I don't know if you can much lower than that. Have you ever watched pigs? Yeah. And they're kind of cute, but when they're little. But boy, they're just messy. I mean, they just love getting in mess and rolling around in it and eating whatever you give them. They're pigs. If you have a pet pig, I don't mean any offense. I had a friend who had a pet pot belly pig. They've done a farm. So he's, he's like, man, this pig slop, I, 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 I would love to just take a bite of that. He's hit bottom, hasn't he? And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger? He's perishing with hunger. He went from wealth to perishing. Because of his bad attitude. I will arise and go to my father when saying to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more, the wor more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose, he left his pig job, and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. 
Why did his father see him when he was so far off? Because his father was looking for him daily. From the moment he began packing, from the moment his le he left, his father's eyes were constantly scanning the horizon for his return. Why? Because he loved his son with all of his heart and his son's behavior, his son's behavior did not change that in any way. His son's total disrespect for him didn't change that in any way. He loved him just as much as he did before he did all this. He had a complete, immovable, unshakable love for this young man. And he's a great father. And he's scanning the horizon on this day. And on this day, he sees him. And when he saw him, he had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. According to the law of Moses, this young man, the father had every right to bring this young man before the elders and he was to be stoned for his disrespect. And I don't mean getting high on drugs. Right. I mean, that means a group of people stands around you and throws rocks at you that crush you until you're dead. That was the punishment for what he did according to the law. Thank God for grace. Yes. So the father who was living in the time of the Mosaic law doesn't come with a stone in his hand. He comes and throws his arms around him and he kisses him. And the son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and no more worthy because of But the father said to his servant, the father doesn't even acknowledge his confession. Why? Because he loves him more than what he's done. He loves him. He's already determined what he's going to do when he returns. And the father says to him, bring forth the best that I have. Bring forth my most expensive garment and put it on him. Bring a ring, the symbol of the authority of my family, and put it on his hand. And bring him shoes for his feet. Clothe him in my wealth. Clothe him in my identity. Cover him with my love for him. He's home. He was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but he's found. That's the heart of the Father toward all of us. That's what this is about. That's what Jesus is teaching about. And he doesn't stop just by clothing. He says, bring the fatted calf. Livestock that we have taken time to feed and, and nurture for a celebration. A prized possession. The fatted calf was a big deal in this culture. You didn't have the fatted calf every day. It was something you prepared for very special occasions. Bring the fatted calf. Put my best on him. Clothe him in my provision and my wealth and my love. And bring the fatted calf. Kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and is found. And they began to be Merry, joyful. God's love for you will make you merry and joyful and happy and strong. God's love for you will clothe you with the best of His provision. 
God's love for you will give you the things that he's prepared for you. God's love for you will cause you to experience the things he's prepared for you in Christ. It's knowing how much he loves you. Hallelujah. No matter where you're at in life, whether you're a believer or not, no matter how difficult your circumstances may currently be or what you've been through, God's love for you will make you alive again. God's love for you. I'm talking about you having an experiential knowledge you becoming strong in what I'm talking about. It will transform you. It will make you as if what you've been through never happened. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It will. I'm living proof of that. It will absolutely repel fear and fill you with joy. Now, you know, it's funny. We, we, you see someone who's a, a minister and preaching, and you think, like, their life's just been all nice and neat. But I hated my life. I grew up in a mess of pain, dysfunction, if you want to call it that. That's too nice of a word as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> dysfunction. I mean, this thing's trash. It's broken. It's ruined. It's not good. And I share that with you because I'm a testimony of God's love for me. And that, you know, from the time I can remember, I, you know, the, a lot of the memories I have of childhood are, are far from happy. I'll just put it that way. We're very painful. So by the time I got into my teen years, I wanted something to stop the pain. So my, my, I had some friends who, you know, my, a lot of relatives who were alcoholics and they'd make pure grain alcohol, 100 proof. You know, we drink that, and I just start drinking and doing whatever I could to try and numb my past. And I won't get into all the details, but things got ugly. And I didn't want to go on. I, I, I just wanted to somehow get away from what I'd been through. But at age 19, before my 20th birthday, thank God the Holy Spirit yes. opened my eyes to His love for me. Yes. And there were times in my life you know, the memories would come back when I was sleeping. And I shared with you probably before, it was probably the most traumatic time when my father actually tried to kill me with an axe handle. And that wasn't a happy day. And I share that with you, and I love my father, and I've forgiven him, and he's in heaven now. Um, and he, he did the best he could with, with what he knew. And I, I don't, there's no grudges there whatsoever. I loved him, and there are many good things about him that he did teach me. But he was a, a, a man who was troubled and, and didn't know how much God loved him and didn't hear the things you're hearing. And he worked hard and tried his best, but things got ugly. And, uh, you know, when you go through stuff like that, it, it, it rocks you a little bit. You know, it makes you wonder what in the world you're here for. And the pain of that was significant. And plus all the other years, all the other stuff that went on. But God's love, as, as a young man, 19 and 20s, I began to hear messages like you're hearing. It began to set me free from my past. But I want you to, I want you to hear me, please. Yeah. 
And remember, get, take, don't put your religious goggles on. Take them off, leave those headphones. And, and don't, don't be offended about what I'm trying to say. There were times in my life when spirits of fear tried to smother me. Now, I was naturally kind of a happy-go-lucky personality, barring all the other stuff I went through. Tried to look at the positive in things. But listen to me. There were times, and I didn't know what I know now, but there were spirits, and they're all around us in the spirit realm. Don't be a fool. The spirit realm is where the power is. There were spirits of darkness at work in my home growing up. Trying to take us out. And as I got older and in my walk with Christ, there were spirits who, and again, and I grew in the knowledge of this, that of fear. And it started with a thought about what might or might not happen to me regarding someone or something. Just a little thought, that's how it started. Stay awake. This is how the enemy does. He'll introduce a thought to you with a fearful outcome. And it might be a little one, but that's how he starts. And if you'll continue entertaining that, it will grow. Listen to me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I was going to suffocate, literally. And nothing was happening. It was totally fear-based. Totally fear-based. I thought, oh, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't go there, this might happen. Totally fear-based. There was no reality to it. And here's what I want you to do. The very identify fearful thoughts in your life and destroy them. Refuse to listen to fear because God loves you so much. I had to open my mouth and say, get out of my life. And then you know what I had to do? I had to rejoice in the Lord. I would start laughing. <laughs> Especially as I got stronger. Do you know what is it, Psalm 2 that says God sits in the heaven and laughs? What is he laughing at? Those who, who think they can take him. Those who think that, can, that you read it, he's laughing at the enemies. Those who are scoffing at him. Those who don't believe in him. Those who are mocking him. He, the, the enemy thinks he can take God. <laughs> Satan. So do you know when Satan comes against you, he's coming against God? When fear comes at you, he's coming against God himself. When, when the apostle Paul was not the apostle Paul, when he was Saul, when he was lost and zealous for the law he was persecuting Christians and Jesus stopped them on the road and said why are you persecuting me when fear comes at you when Satan comes to you he's coming against God so I had to begin to rejoice in the Lord and praise him even though I felt like I couldn't take another step or another breath and I'm telling you in since that was what 1989 and I have seen in this nation depression and fear grow at an exponential rate. And people are so drugged up, they don't even know how to live anymore. 
And, 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 and being in a medical family, I, the, 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 the different people in their professions would tell me, you know, patients come in and they're on so many different medications and they're having side effects from this one and taking a medication to counter the side effects from that one and that one and that one. Just recently went to the dentist and, and, and he said, you're not on any medication? I said, no. He had to stop for a moment. I, mean, I went through, you know, all the columns and checked, no, 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 no. He examined me, he said, you look great. He said, you're a healthy guy. I said, well, glory to God. <laughs> it should not be that way. What's the root of it? Fear. Fear and condemnation. That's, what, that's what's all behind it. Hallelujah. So this is what we're going to do. In 1 Peter 5, and then we're done. Boy, oh boy, God is good. Yeah. Last, last verses, 6 through 9. We doing okay? Yes. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. This is what you got to do. That he may exalt you. So God wants to exalt you, right? God wants to lift you up. He wants you to be strong. How do we humble ourselves? Verse 7 tells us. Go ahead. Verse 7. And boom. Casting all your care upon him. That's how we humble ourselves before God. We cast all of our care on him. And I had to do that. And as I did that, the fear lost its grip on me. How do you humble yourself before God? You cast all of your care upon Him. Why? Because He cares for you. Verse 7 in the Amplified. Uh, in the, I'm sorry, verse 7 in the Amplified. Go ahead. There we go. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties. You can do this. You can do this. Yes, you can. You are in control of your mind. You're in control of your emotions. You can do this. Don't let anyone tell you differently. All your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, cast them once and for all on Him. Don't you ever pick them up again. Why? Because He cares for you affectionately. He throws his arms around you and kisses you and cares about you watchfully. Now look at the next verse. This has everything to do with the enemy's plan. Be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary wants you to care. He wants you to be anxious. He wants you to carry the weight of all of your circumstances. Because your adversary, the devil, as a... He's not a roaring lion. He's faking it. As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Listen to me. One of the things that Satan told me, and I know he'll tell you, is that no one understands you. No one knows what you've been through. No one can relate to you. 
What does that do? It isolates you and makes you think it's impossible to be healed. And it's a lie. Listen, we're all living on planet Earth. We've all gone through the same stuff to one degree or another. We're all dealing with the same stuff. It's a lie. So when the devil roars at you, when fear roars at you, what should you do? Roar! Roar right back! I love it. Fear comes in here. Roar at him. He's scared of you. Depression is scared of you. Boy, we've we've put our tail between our legs and back into a corner when depression comes. No! No! We're more than conquerors. We're the champions here. We're the joy ones here. We're born of joy. We've got the victory. When that fake lion roars, you roar right back and why? Because the lion of Judah is, lives in you and you're a lion. You're born of him, aren't you? So now you're a lion of Judah because you came from him. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah! How fun this is, isn't it? Yeah, I was, at the other, I was just by myself the other day and this fear came at me. I went, rah! <laughs> I've been doing that lately. Another thought, came, rah! <laughs> what did the lion want in the Wizard of Oz? Was that courage? Yeah. yeah. What did the tin man want? Heart. Heart. What was the other guy? Scarecrow in the brain, right? Yeah. So you, you, you've, got, you've got courage. God's not giving you the spirit of fear, but the power and of love and of sound mind. Yes, yes, you've got yes. a brain. You've got the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Right? You've got a, a heart. The love of God's been shed abroad in you. You've got everything they're looking for. Follow the yellow brick road. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're following the yellow brick road. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, your love changes everything. It destroys fear. It dispels it, repels it, enables us to see how weak and defeated it is. We thank you, Lord God, for the victory. That we're roaring with you. That we're born of the Lion of Judah. That we are, are the king's kids. And the devil knows it and there's nothing he can do about it. But we thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life 
He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.